Well, hello everyone. Welcome back. Uh, in this episode, I am so pleased to have Doug Reynolds join us. Doug is the CEO and founder of Low Carb USA. Um, before I get too far, you can find him at lowcarbusa.org. Is that correct? That's the one, yeah. Perfect. Um, Doug and I have known each other for a few years now. And um, welcome, Doug. Thanks, man. The pleasure is mine. So is it fair to ask how you, first of all, came to the world of low-carb, restricted carbohydrate way of life? Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like I've told the story a thousand times, but, you know, there's always different audiences. So um, really, I was a, a distance athlete, <clears throat> not a, an elite one, but, you know, coming in the top 100 out of a field of 14, 15,000. So um, still way behind the winner, but but above average. Mm -hmm. And thought I was bulletproof, right? I used to eat pasta and everybody, carbo-loading was what it was all about, right? I mean, you're a distance runner. Um, but in my kind of mid forties, I started to get on the scale a couple of times because I never really weighed myself much because I always thought I was bulletproof. But kind of thought, eh, maybe this, we need to get a new scale or something, you know, it's like, it's, it, um, cause it's, it's, it's like not quite reading right. It's just a little bit high, you know, and each year it's just a little bit higher. Um, and, uh, but I was trying, I just thought I was being lazy trying to, you know, I wasn't running enough and getting a bit older. And so I wasn't running as much and, but my knees were really sore. And I was, as I was putting on the weight, I started to feel like a slug, which meant I was harder to run and I was hating running literally hating running in the end. Um, and it, it just, it got to a point where I got on the scale, it was 195 pounds, which my fighting weight back in my early thirties, when I was doing all these distance running runs in that, I was 160. So I was like 35 pounds overweight and I was horrified. And it was really literally within a couple of days of that happening that some guy sent me an email trying to sell me exogenous ketones. And the, the title was exogenous, um, ketones, the alternative source of fuel to glucose. And I was hating running and struggling running and I just got on the scale and it, it just came at the right time. And I honestly, I was at 51 at that age, at that stage and I had never heard of a ketone. I did not know what a ketone was. Mm -hmm. And so I started researching it and I buried myself for about three weeks. And in the end, it was a brand new company that had run out of stock anyway, so I couldn't order anything. But all that I'd learned was like, there's actually so, it's the, the, the diet and the lifestyle and that was just so much more effective and I should just do that. And so I pulled the trigger, you know, and just decided, okay, I'm doing this. And I grabbed Pam and I took her to the, to the shop and she was horrified. And she said even more than that, because I had a list, which was even more horrifying. <laughs> um, and obviously we ended up shopping around the, outs the outside of the stores we all in this you know, environment know about, um, going and buying ribeye steaks and cream, full cream and full fat yogurt and all this stuff. And when I got home, 
the first thing on, because I used to cut every single little bit of fat off the meat. I used to buy the leanest meat possible and cook it and, you know, and, and the, the fat was like totally the enemy. And so now I bought these ribeye steaks that had all of this fat in, in like through it, you know. Mm. And I went outside and I cooked these two things on, on the fire and I brought them back inside. And I, it's like my most vivid memory ever was standing there with this plate with these two ribeye steaks on it with all this fat on it. And there was fat literally slushing in the bottom of the, of the, the plate. And oh I looked goodness. at Pam and I actually started giggling. I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> but I started giggling. Yes. It's like, am I really going to eat this? Mm-hmm. That's how programmed I was that that fat was so bad. And I literally had to gag down the first few mouthfuls mm. because my brain was so uh, indoctrinated against fat. But I kept eating it. And to what, by the time I finished that steak, or even before I'd even finished it, I started to think, you know what? This actually tastes pretty good. <laughs> mm. um, I'd forgotten what meat really tastes like. I'd forgotten what anything tastes like because mm. take the fat out and it's just like cardboard. And, and so, you know, it started from there. I, um, we, there wasn't that much online back in the, this 19, uh, 2015. Mm. And so there wasn't that much. And so we, we, we learned by, by our mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, but within five months, I was back to 160 pounds. My mm. knees had cleared up. Within two weeks of starting this, I was, um, you know, I was doing back-to-back martial arts classes back then, uh, twice a week. And I would, it would finish, they would finish at like eight o'clock at night. I would get home and crawl into bed. And the next day I would literally crawl out of bed. Mm. Um, and I used to sit on the, on the toilet and think to myself, man, I'm getting old. Mm. And two, maybe I'm lying, and maybe it was three weeks after I started. I was getting up and bouncing out of bed and going for a run. Mm. And the mm. weight started coming down. Within five months, I, I was back to my, to my 160. And, but all sorts of other things started happening that I didn't know about. You know, I had um, respiratory issues, like um, my uh, sinuses were always blocked and swollen. That went away. I stopped snoring. Um, skin t- issues on my ears and stuff like that. That all cleared up. My knees completely cleared up. Completely cleared up. Even though I was running more and more and more, my knees weren't sore anymore. Um, and I think one of the biggest things was that um, I had a very, very bad motor vehicle accident back when I was about 22 mm. and had a severe TBI. And and back in those days, we didn't even know what TBI was. Traumatic I, brain I, I, injury. Yeah. Yeah. So I know now what it was, and but it severely affected my short-term memory, and um, I became very insecure because I could I couldn't speak in public because I would forget what mm. I was saying, and it may even happen here. Mm. Um, but I, I go completely blank, and sometimes if I'm reminded, I get it back, and sometimes I don't. It's just gone, and so I. Um, it, it was very difficult for me to um, to deal with that, and so speaking on you know in front of people and all of that was just like a no-no. And and then I started doing this, and I found it didn't it didn't dawn on me for a while. But I re- after a while, it was like you know what, 
it still happens, but it's not happening nearly as frequently. Mm -hmm. And even more important than that was that I'm not as freaked out about it. In fact, I'm not freaked out about it at all. Mm -hmm. And Georgia Ede will talk a lot about that, about how it affects your emotions and your anxiety and all of those sorts of things and how that improves um, you know, once you cut all the garbage out of your, out of your life. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, it was my birthday, 2016, January, and I was punning, we were out to dinner, all the work people that had been with us had all left, because, you know, the first, uh, what's it, first rule about keto is don't talk about keto, right? So, because they're all sick and tired of hearing about it, and none of them believe it anyway. But once they'd gone, I was like, we were talking about it and, and you know, that what was going on in Sweden with them at least acknowledging that that might be an option for treating or addressing diabetes. And you had the low carb down under movement and you had the real meal revolution and the, and the South African uh, movement. And like, I, I said, they've got a couple of little conferences here in the States, but I said, I'm like, we need to put a thousand people in the room. How is it that I never knew what a ketone was until I was 51 years old. Mm. Um, it, it, it's just diabolical. And so, mm. so we started writing to people and, um, you know, I got, I thought if I can get a core of really well-known speakers, I, I, I can, I can build on that. And Jimmy Moore was actually really, really helpful and, and got a bunch, introduced me to a bunch of people because I knew how to put on a conference, but I'd never been to a low carb conference and I didn't even know, I didn't know anybody mm -hmm. in the space. So Jimmy introduced me to a lot of people and most of them agreed straight off to, um, to, to come and talk. Um, Gary Taubes, I, I wrote to, contacted him through his website, contact us on, on his website. Mm -hmm. And he, he responded, um, but like was, you know, who are you kind of trying to fill me out? You do understand that some of us require an honorarium and that kind of stuff. And I knew about that and I knew it was a lot of money. Um, but I he eventually asked if he could talk to me and he was, he sat and I, I, I tease him often when I introduce him, when he comes up on the stage, it's like, it was like I'd asked to marry his daughter. And um, he, he basically was like an inquisition, but he wanted to know if I knew what I was doing and whether or not this was going to be a real thing before he committed to it. Sure, sure. And at, at the end of, the, at the, end of the, uh, the chat, which was an hour long, and I was fully aware of what he chose, charged for an hour of his time, um, he said, okay, if you do this, I'll, I'll come and speak. Hmm. And I put the phone down and I looked at Pam. She was, I had it on speaker and she was standing in the, in the passageway just like, yeah. And, uh, and I looked at her and I said, like, shit, like, this is like for real. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. This is like, serious, this is going to happen. You know? that, was, that was the turning point. Hmm. Um, established a domain, a website presence, a social media presence. None of that existed. And we put that event on at the end of July, that same year, hmm. six months. Hmm. And I didn't put a thousand people in the room, but I put 350 people in the room, which was a lot more than any of the other conferences that had been going on at the time. And was this San Diego? San Diego, 2016. Yeah. And a couple of months before that, this guy called Peter Ballasted wrote to me, he sent me a video and he said, I should be speaking at your event. 
And um, I listened to what you had to say and I actually agreed. So you were at our inaugural event. And um, yeah, it, it, and I mean, you've, you've been at numerous of our events since then and always <laughs> an, an amazing contribution from your perspective on, on everything. Thank you. You've got one just coming up in the spring or late Correct. winter? Well, it's, yeah, so it's 17th, I think, of January, 17th to the 19th. I think those are the dates, but that sort of time frame in January. It was supposed to be in Boca. So like we had the virtual Boca event, I mean, virtual San Diego event, this has become the virtual Boca event. And we've booked again for the following year and we're hoping that that can at, least, at the very least be a hybrid event where we will have some live presentations and some um, and some and a lot of people at least joining us I think that's always going to be a part of it now that there will be mm. a lot of people joining us virtually but the people that want to have that camaraderie and that atmosphere and, and that those relationships and sitting at, at dinner it's with Stephanie and and Gary and, and you know and, and getting to speak to those people like like real people and, and asking them genuine questions and, and though pe people want that social connection. Mm -hmm. So those people will come and the people that can't make it or can't afford it or can't get off work or whatever, then they can join us virtually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think we're probably gonna find that we're gonna learn how to do things in a number of ways going forward, regardless yeah. of how it all works out. And hopefully that can be some good that comes out of all this. Um, so you, you've been this organizing effort, uh, presence within the low carb keto space, um, but you've been doing more than that. You've been, um, well, you've been facilitating and organizing some things beyond uh, events, I guess. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the things that that came out, what last year, was the um, standard of care, um, which was right. a cooperative effort. A lot of people, but you were really um, uh, a, a key supporter of that. What is a standard of care, and why is that important? Well, yeah. So so basically, I I kind of put this together. Gary Taubes wanted to have or suggested that we have like a town hall type meeting session at, a, at the 2018 event um, so that he could get some feedback from the practitioners that are actually trying to do this in practice, and what their struggles are, all of that. And I think, you know, that was going to help him with the research for his book as well. Um, but he suggested that we get Adele Height, who was your very first podcast uh, um, person. And so... To, to mediate this, this talk or this session. And so he put me in touch with her and I, I asked her, would you mediate this session? And she just like, what's the right, I don't know. I was gonna say vomited on me, but that wasn't, that's not really the right word I'm looking for. But she just like, this was this deluge of stuff that was in her brain about her vision. And it was, it was just overwhelming. But the more we listened to, the more I listened to it, uh, the more I read it, the more I started to realize is that we can actually do this. Um, and so she actually, part of, of this whole thing that she sent me was a thing, and I actually I have to put my glasses back on so I can read it here, but um, 
she was on a, in a malpractice suit and the judge had to explain to them what standard of care meant. And because actually very few people know. Mm. And so this is the legal definition of standard of care. It says it's defined as providing healthcare in accordance with the standards of practice among members of the same healthcare profession with similar training and experience situated in the same or similar communities at the time that the healthcare is rendered. In other words, standard of care does not come from what is taught in professional training, mm. from public health policy, or even from clinical care guidelines. Although these can inform and help define the standard of care. Rather, standard of care comes from what a community of clinicians do in the actual provision of care. So it's like, it's a consensus. Mm -hmm. It's not a document. Mm -hmm. But her thought was that, as they mentioned in here, is that the starting point for that is a document, a, mm -hmm. a, clinical care, a clinical guidelines document to help physicians understand how to implement this as an, as an intervention in their practice, as an, as an option. And, and, so we, and so we started doing this. I put together a, um, a panel of advisors of the most prominent keto people around the world, Tim Noakes and Gary Fetke and, and David Unwin. Um, and, it, and then, but, and, but basically it was just like I gave Adele her head and she'd been waiting for an opportunity like this forever. And so she just ran with it and she wrote the document and then bounced it off this, this panel and other people like Asim Malotra in the UK and a few other people, Karen Zinn, um, and just continuously fed their feedback back into the document until everybody was happy that, okay, this is something that uh, we feel is publishable. Mm -hmm. And so it was at that event uh, that you were at, I think, the Seattle event in 2019, mm -hmm. um, that, and that um, we officially published that standard, that clinical guidelines document. Mm -hmm. And um, it's gone far and wide since then. It's been translated into seven different languages. And I've got Malay translation in the pipeline. I've got an Indonesian translation in the pipeline. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's done amazing things, but it's not standard of care. Mm. The standard of care is all the clinicians that actually use it agreeing that this is what they do, mm -hmm. right? And then that, that consensus now becomes standard of care. Understood. Um, so uh, I created a... Um, I knew there was a need in a, uh, for a professional community, a professional environment for these practitioners to exist in order to, to have a community and have these discussions. And so I, I created that concept within Low Carb USA as well, but it just wasn't the right place for it. And, and it never really got any traction. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Tro Collagen, um, was chirping on Twitter about how oh, we need a professional community. We need a professional organization. And I wrote to him and I said, Tro, listen, I'm, I'm already, I already have that. It's just not working that well. Let's talk about how we can do, be do this better. Mm -hmm. And we talked a lot and eventually kind of came up with the idea that a, um, 
So a, a nonprofit organization that was specifically a professional entity for practitioners was what was really required. So I started, I started doing that. I went and I, I learned how to uh, create a nonprofit organization, mm. which is a lot harder than anybody would imagine. Um, and started building the website and put a, a board of directors together, which included Tro um, for that. And um, we are scrambling at this minute and hopefully by the time this actually airs, um, it will be launched is the Society for Metabolic Health Practitioners. Hmm. And our idea is it's like an umbrella organization that everybody can come and be part of that community. Hmm. Unite, there's so many splinter groups and they have nuances and differences in what they believe is the right way to, to, for the diet to be or whatever, but we all have core fundamental values and, and beliefs. And so we, we need to unite under that so that we have a voice against the vegans and the, and the, um, the sugar industry and, all, and the big farmer and all of those others that are influencing the dietary guidelines and the other, uh, the other things. Yeah. So, so yeah. Sorry, I've been, I've been, I'm so excited about this. It's hard to stop me talking. So. That, that's, that's fine. Um, <laughs> you have reason to be. The one thing I wanted to mention in that document that's posted um, that was the product of Adele's guidance and everyone's input is, okay. not, is not just for practitioners, although it's certainly, I found it immensely valuable and the list of references it's astounding. It is, is something that I think, mo, you know, certainly I know a lot of people who are researchers in other disciplines. And I think it would be valuable for them to come visit and look at the literature cited in this document and then take that and, and start to internalize some of these misstatements and false messages that come mm. against therapeutic carbohydrate reduction for weight management, for metabolic health. Um, there's just so much information. And then of course we get the, the stuff about how, you know, it'll make your hair fall out and, you know, you, you'll need to wear glasses yeah. and well, too late for me because both of those are happening. But yeah. um so I, I just, I, I wanted people to understand that this is a document that certainly can be read by a broad audience and you don't have to be a medical person and a, a, a wide audience would benefit from reviewing it. I agree. I mean, Adele's insistent that, I mean, she wrote it specifically for, it's for doctors by, by doctors basically, mm -hmm. but as a reference for anybody, um, as a, as a guide, I, I, I think it's, a, it's definitely a really good thing. Um, so now the provider database that we had been creating over the last few years to, to give a place where somebody can go and search for a doctor or a dietitian that might be able to help them if they decide they wanna embark on this journey. That's migrating over. Um, the, the science database of all the papers and articles and everything that, that we had started or that we built there that is going to move over. Um, the clinical guidelines is going to migrate over so that it will have a, a real home now. 
and we 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 very excited about that. We'll still you'll still be able to get to all of those things through the Lockup USA website, but the it, they will be home their their home will be on the SMHP website, mm. um, and you know the the education that we're going to be providing. Um, we actually have defined a number of different pathways that practitioners can become credentialed. Mm. So they can become accredited and actually have the right to display MHP, metabolic health practitioner, after their names and have the badge in their profiles on, on the, the, um, the provider database and stuff, um, which I think is very powerful. It's, it's, um, it's, it's not, it's not just straightforward, like do a little bit of work and you get, it, you know, it's a, it's a significant amount of effort. Um, and, but, you know, so is, so is going to university for four years or whatever, you know, I mean, it's, it's not as, it's not nearly as much as that, but it requires effort so that we know and we can, we can um, validate that person as, as being proficient in, in, um, talking about this as an intervention. And it's not just for doctors, it's for anybody in the, in the conversation. The people that have decided they wanna become keto coaches. There is so much misinformation on, on the internet now, it's, but keto is just like taken off, right? And so there's just a lot of rubbish out there. And so how do you know if you want some coach, if you wanna go and find a coach, your doctor's told you that you need to do this so that you can reverse your diabetes. But how do you, and, but you want to find a, a coach to help you do this. How do you know that that person knows what they're talking about? Mm -hmm. They're actually telling you the truth. Now, if they, if they, they can go and find a, a, a practitioner, we still that practitioner at that stage, and they are considered pro proficient in being able to advise you and coach you in, in adopting this lifestyle and dietary choice that you've made. Um, I, I, you know, you, the proof's in the pudding. We'll see what happens when we launch it. But I am very optimistic that this is going to be something special. And we have, um, and Adele now is is, cheer, is is part of the steering committee, which oversees all the other committees. And we're starting to create committees. One, the first one is the clinicians committee, which is, is responsible for maintaining and updating this clinical guidelines document and building on it and pro providing addenda for um, condition specific issues and stuff, you know, mm. so like for cancer and uh, in, in, even diabetes, any, any of these things often have little nuances and things that, that where some things work better for, for people in this group than, than they do in, in other groups. So we want to expand the guidelines to, to from the generic one that it is right now to cover all of those, um, those nuances if we can. So that's the first committee. The education committee um, is involved in them. We've got a lot of education in terms of teaching the converted enough to, to, that we can get, give them accreditation. But what I be, they, this committee made me very aware of was that what we don't have is education for the non-believer, education for the skeptic, hmm. education for the, uh, what, lack of a better word, ignorant, right? The person who hasn't, who hasn't heard about it. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, even doctors have heard about keto now because most people have, but they still don't understand that it's, that it's, it's potentially a very valuable 
um, intervention that they should be including in, in their practice as an option. So um, now the guys are starting to create, um, it even came up at our event, that virtual event in San Diego, like you need a one pager to be able to hand to a doctor for, your, for somebody to be able to print out and take to their doctor or whatever that will, that will, that will trigger that, that urge to actually go and, and, and learn some more about it. And, and hopefully at that, that point, then understand that, wow, this is actually something I should have been considering a long time ago. Um, so, you know, now we've got an outreach committee that's going to be uh, something we've become very aware of is that a lot of people believe that it's, um, it's only for the rich people only for the middle mm. class and then mm. the poorer people can't afford to eat this way. And that is absolutely not true. But somebody has to teach these communities that that's not true and to, and to, um, to have groups and, and um, pilot groups. It's like they, like they do the Eat Better South Africa program, yes. you know, have, have like they go into community and basically take over a whole little village, you know, and, and then provide them with support and food and medical support and, and food and everything and teach them how they can eat for the same price, if not even less, mm-hmm. and yet become metabolically healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that serves as a, as a pilot study, which then, you know, you can expand to the larger communities and stuff. So we've mm-hmm. got a committee doing that. We've got a committee looking at trying to get through to the insurance companies about trying to get them to um, mandate that or, or to, Incentivize, yeah. It's an, an, the first insurance company that that actually genuinely takes us on is going to kill it. Hmm. You look at life insurance companies that start giving people incentives to um, to come back with better numbers and stuff. Uh, you know that that shows Ooh, that they yeah. are adopting meaningful numbers, not the yeah, yeah, standard. No, yeah, yeah, no, not the numbers that that we've they've all been taught. But but really, yes, exactly. So you find them teach them what the what they need to be looking for mm-hmm. get have all these programs maybe develop training and, and education to that they can provide to their um, to the to the people that are taking insurance from yeah. them and, and saying so, look yeah. if you do this first of all you're going to be so much healthier you're going to be so much happier and you're going to have pay half the premiums or whatever because you're not going to get sick nearly as often and you're not going to die nearly as soon. Mm. So, um, mm. Mm. yeah. And, and the actuaries that actually work that out first are, are going to, are going to absolutely kill it. Mm. So f- there, there's lots of, I mentioned before about uh, tipping point. Mm. Um, I'm very interested in what can be done to, as you say, reach the audiences that haven't heard yet. Um, so a phrase that, that you've used, and I'm used to using it, but I'm not sure a lot of people are aware of is, and I know people get crazy, but diabetes reversal. Now we're talking about type two diabetes. Um, and um, I've heard other people use a phrase drug-free remission to describe what I think is the same thing. Right. That, that, so how, clearly that's one of the, the, the most well-documented 
uh, roles of therapeutic carbohydrate reduction that we have from the literature? Absolutely. Um, I was going to say, I had, as you were talking, I had something I was going to say. What, what, um, tipping point. Hmm. No, but, uh, so it, I, I guess that this idea that diet type two diabetes is not progressible, a, a chronic progressive incurable. Okay. Yeah. So, sorry, I was, I was trying to, I was thinking of something to say about that, but now what are you, what are you asking about? Are you asking about the tipping point in terms of when do you think what, well, I I've guess, got a lot to say about, about uh, diabetes reversal. So, yeah. um, so, so give, uh, I, I think this is right. We've got something approaching 50% of adult Americans are diabetic, pre-diabetic. Yeah. Um, so reaching the already diabetic type two or the pre-diabetic population with a message of a drug-free remission is possible for you mm -hmm. would seem to be a way to really accelerate this. I agree. And I think that's, that's um, one of the, the mandates for the, this education committee is to come up with, I talked about education to teach the skeptic in terms of the, the doctors and that, that don't, haven't taken it on board yet. But then the same thing. I mean, you know, if, if we can convert a patient and they put themselves into remission and then they go to their doctor, and I mean, that's how D uh, Dr. David Unwin um, basically came to know about keto and carbohydrate reduction. Because one of his patients went off and did it herself. And she came back to see him and he didn't recognize her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... Um, he said, you know, you must be early or something because I'm waiting for another patient. She said, nah, -uh, it's me. Mm. And um, mm. he said, well, what are you doing? And that's how he, and then he started thinking, okay, so I'm, um, I need to go and learn about this. Mm -hmm. But he had the courage, like Brian Lenskers and, and all these doctors, the ones that actually question it and say, you know what? What I've been doing all these years hasn't been working. And look at this, this is working. Mm -hmm. So why try and learn about why? And I always, I often tease most of them that they should have been engineers and, and not doctors, because it's those ones with those inquisitive minds that that stop and say, wait a minute, we need to we need to look at this. Um, diabetes reversal, that you know, that's a whole that's a minefield. But people won't accept. They say that it's remission. You know, um, people won't accept that it's like. Brain cancer or cancer can go into remission. It can, there's always a chance without changing anything else mm. that it will come back again, mm. right? Mm. That to me is remission. Okay. If you, they say, oh, but if you start eating carbs again, your diabetes will come back. It's like, well, shit. If you, if you found out that you were always sick and you found out that there were some arsenic, traces of arsenic in your water and you took that out of the water and now you're better, Duh, if you start drinking the water with arsenic again, you're going to get sick. But you are cured of that whatever illness you had because you were being poisoned. Mm. And I, I see it the same way. It's like, um, well, I've heard, yeah. I think Jason Fung even uses the term cured quite often and he, yeah. gets, he gets yelled at about it. But he says like, 
Well, if you're allergic, they, they, they are. They they've stopped eating. They've they've stopped taking the poison, and so and and now they cured. If, if you want to take the poison again and get sick again, that's up to you. If you're allergic to strawberries, yeah. and, and don't trigger the allergy by eating strawberries, what do you call it? Exactly. Um, but if you eat the strawberries, well, then you. Well, then, it's, yeah, it does. it's there. Um, so, um, in so we've we've spoken about all that you've seen in your organizing and these really important things that are coming um uh, uh you know the metabolic health practitioners is is got to be critical to this the, the the certification and then the assurance from the public um the the issue of of <clears throat> making it mainstream right so I, I remember when you used to be able to travel and I would travel a lot and I'd be on back roads and, you know, maybe I have to stop by the truck stop or, you know, the Dollar General store, not to, you know, but, you know, small markets that serve these kinds of communities. And you can get what you need at those places if you know what you're looking for and, mm -hmm. and what not to buy. And so one of the things I've been grateful to you for is your, um, your resistance against the complicating messages of it's gotta be this, that, or the other thing. If you've got anything to say along that line, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, well, I... I... I was super excited to hear that you that you talked about it and you brought it up a bit with Adele as well, um, because you 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 spoke about this um, at your very at that talk in 2016, and I heard you did a really good podcast. I think even at that event with Ivor Cummins, where where you you delve into it as well, and and that was the 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 difference between grass fed and and grain finished beef. Just just go with beef. Um, and that you showed that, yes, there is a little bit of a difference between, you know, and, and the ratios maybe between omega-3s and omega-6s, if you take just that, um, is, is more than it should be. But the absolute amounts in there are kind of negligible. And so whether it's grain-finished or grass-fed or whatever, the, the, the effect on your health is from what I can tell is like non-existent. And um, I, I, I tell people that we can't, fed grass, we can't afford grass-fed beef. We don't eat it. Um, we go and we go to Stater Brothers and uh, you know, Albertsons, whatever, the grocery stores, find where they've got uh, all the um, uh, specials on mm -hmm. and we buy the manager's specials and I you know I'll go to Stata Brothers and they'll have ribeye steaks or something on at, at $3.99 a pound mm. you know and the and the, the, the so so basically they um there's a couple of days until they expire or something mm -hmm. right or there's or even more often what happens is that they they not cut evenly so yes right I think that's actually more often so it's so like the last the last one is is, is like a wedge 
some sometimes a bad wedge, but mm. quite often it's, it's a wedge, but it's not that bad. But so now it's not it's not even thickness all the way through, so it won't cook through evenly or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So it's now in the manager specials at $3.99 instead of $21.99 a pound mm. next door here in the display case, mm -hmm. right? So I'll go and I'll take the whole bunch of trays and put them in my in my uh, in my trolley. Mm -hmm. Um and and you keep looking for for stuff like that and you know i mean try tips I've, I've got a video on our on our youtube channel dude like how to how to cook an awesome medium rare tri-tip and you know i found a tri-tip the other day for 2.99 a pound mm. huge like four pound three and 3.8 pound tri-tip mm. you know that lasted well lasted pam and i like two two meals but um <laughs> That, you know, for, for, I don't know, what was less than 10 bucks. Yeah. It was like for two of us, two meals each. That's four meals for 10 bucks. Like full on meat meal, you know? Um, and that's, to me, I'm sorry, but two, two bucks 50 is, is pretty reasonable. I think mm -hmm. most people um, who battling can, can, can afford that. Mm -hmm. And, if they can't, they eat, eat, make that last longer and maybe supplement it with, with some other uh, cheaper vegetables or whatever that they can in order or to get eggs enough to eat this. Or, mm -hmm. this. Yes, exactly, eggs. I mean, you can buy eggs for a couple of bucks for, for a dozen, right? Yeah. Um, there's just so many things that people can do if they, are, if they don't have the money to, to buy all the expensive cuts and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I... I am, and I, I get up on the stage whenever you talk. It's, it's like, okay, I'm waiting for you to, to say this bit about the grass fed thing. And you, you start, you're talking about some other subject and you don't say it. So I, I get up and before the Q&A starts, I just need to tell you something. <laughs> and, and I bring up the fact that you had taught me this hmm. a few years before. Hmm. And that please don't ever tell me that you can't do keto or you can't do low carb or restrict carbohydrates or whatever you want to call it. Because you can't afford grass-fed beef. Yeah, I my, absolutely yeah. don't let me hear you yeah. telling someone else that they can't do it. Yeah, yeah. I right. my 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 moment of awakening. One of them was a gentleman. I think a lot of um, really excellent grazer. Um, just I've known him for decades, literally decades. And mm -hmm. he said from the audience after one of my presentations to an agricultural group, well, if you're not going to have people eat an all organic diet, then you should just leave them on the standard American garbage diet. And in that moment, I realized, okay, belief system versus objective evidence, right? I can't, I can't currently break into his worldview, um, but clearly we're not operating on evidence. And, and talking to some of the pioneers, the longtime practitioners in our, this field that we're talking about, none of them had these label claim foods available to them. They didn't exist in the marketplace and yet people got well. So, what, you know, is it, is, could they have gotten weller with it? Well, maybe, but do we have the evidence to support that? And I haven't been convinced by what I've looked at. Um, and, and I'm also, um, 
impressed by Liebig's barrel analogy, the law of the minimum. You know, whatever is that short stave is going to influence everything else that you're imagining unless mm -hmm. you correct for it. And now you can look at whatever becomes limiting next. And, and so um, telling somebody they have to spend more than they can afford in order to do this and if they did that, that creates stress. Well, that's not yeah. good for a human being. Um, all these sorts of things. So I just, and then I understand that there are other arguments and hopefully as this uh, enterprise goes forward, I can bring those voices, instead of being the pipe for what they taught me, I can have them come and give that information directly. Yeah. Um, and in, in all these ways, just bring together from production all the way through to the health of the consumer and the society that that consumer is a part of, just the critical nature of us addressing this epidemic of metabolic disease. Um, so I... I'm so grateful for what you've been doing because it has to be done. I'm still fascinated by the idea of how do we get this out to some of these, you know, more remote areas. Um, right. And, 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 and so maybe, maybe that's something that we need to do, Peter, is put you on that education committee because that's their mandate is to is to come up with strategies and ways and content eventually to do exactly that to reach the people that aren't being reached that yeah. are difficult to reach and so if you, you know maybe you can have you have some ideas or they at least be able to sounding board like they come up with ideas and say nah that won't work with that community or whatever but yeah. that we yeah. need to have these discussions and come up with the content absolutely i i am um always willing to help. I have a number of things that I'm already engaged in, including an international conference that's coming up in 2023, the oh. title of which is Grasslands for Soil, Animal, and Human Health. Okay, cool. And, and so what I hope to be doing is uh, finding people to fill that human health component so that when all of these people come, hopefully come from, from around the world to Northern Kentucky for this event, that they can be given information that they can take back with them um, to help the development of their resources and their uh, livestock enterprises and improve the health of their populations as well. And, and so I'm always willing to help um, and thank you. Um, it, it, I, I really think that when one of, the, one of my ideas is, okay, to a certain extent, we're talking about, you know, high income countries, right? North America, Western Europe, fine. Um, this metabolic disease epidemic extends across There's low no middle and high yeah. income countries totally there's no boundaries yeah and, and so uh, you mentioned eat better south africa right. as, as one model of addressing needs within that population 
I'm sure there are others. Uh, forgive me if I'm not remembering this correctly. Did did you go to Southeast Asia with a conference, or am we I? We did. We went to Jakarta. Yeah. Okay. In fact, it's the guy that that um, got us out there. He contacted me and said, like, he'd started. He's also an engineer like me, you know, and he goes around Indonesia basically teaching small groups of doctors about low carb and, and converting them. He's got like about 600 doctors or something now in his, in his community, all on his own. Um, and, um, but he wanted to do like a, you know, a bigger conference type thing. And so he reached out to me and asked if I had help. And I took three of three kind of, so three of our top speakers really, that I've had at other events too with me. And we went and helped them put on this event. And it, it was, you know, I mean, it was the most, not the most, but probably one of the most, um, what's the right word? I can't even think of the right word. Just like meaningful experiences. Mm -hmm. um, the, 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 the people were just, astoundingly nice and uh welcoming and accepting and and needy and um and to the extent that you know he's he's got to a point where he's actually going and having meetings at the presidential palace mm. the president's aide actually attended the meeting and um, they had set up a, a kitchen at the back where the speakers and the, the organizers and that sat and, and ate during lunch. And we were sitting there and, and this guy came and sat and, and, you know, he's like pointing a finger at me and saying like, we need to, we need to come up with strategies about how we can, um, about how we can educate our people about this because, and especially in Indonesia, they are a net importer of rice, right? So mm. as, as much as rice is there like a major crop, they don't grow it. They just don't have enough space. And there's so many people on the, all these thousands of islands that they've got that, that, that they have to import rice almost entirely. And it's costing the country an enormous amount of money. And if they can reduce that, apart from the, the, um, the health costs, because most of those people are impoverished. And so they, you know, if they end up in, in hospital or whatever, no one's paying for it except mm -hmm. the state. And so... They're going to reduce those costs. They're going to reduce their rice import costs, and they, he rec he recognizes that that how important this is, and he's taking it to the president of Jakarta, and 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 reporting to him, and and uh, being tasked with with uh, talk like realizing with Tio and coming up with these ideas. So one of the things is I mentioned an Indonesian translation. Those clinical guidelines, Tio has got. Uh, some of the doctors on in his community to actually start a, a translation into Indonesian, which is the main language. Apparently, there's like hundreds, if not thousands, of languages. Mm -hmm. So, but they most of them speak at, at least you know the, the generic one or the, the common one, which is Indonesian. So this, same as the, same as Malay, Malay in Malaysia. Yeah. So we, we're getting those two translations done. So this all from from you deciding that there needed to be you know you were going to put a thousand people in a room i mean that was what year Dude, that, 
That was the beginning of 2016 when I, so, when I made so, that statement. Yeah. And then this was 2019 that this happened, right? That you were just talking about. Correct. Yeah. So that's three years from there to here. And now we've talked about everything else that's going on. So um, I, the encouragement to people who want to get involved, it, you know, kind of, uh, one of my, you know, grow where you're planted, right? right. You don't, you, you know, you don't have to be somebody else, be you um, where you are. And there's lots of people that will come alongside, will, you know, get in front and pull on the traces or get behind you and, you know, whatever. Um, but we can do this. Um, and you mentioned the um, practitioner locator. That's probably not the phrase you used. And you said it was migrating. Yes. Um, so we, um, so we, we created a, a provider list where anybody can go there and put their, inf their contact information in there, the speciality. But it was, um, it was very uh, Spartan, right? And we talked, we talked earlier about starting simple. If I, if I try to put all the bells and whistles in place at the time, I, would, I, would never, I couldn't afford to pay someone to do that anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, we built this. If you were in the US, you could only uh, search on zip code mm. and any other country you had to search on city. Um, and we, I think we got about almost 800 practitioners basically put their information in up till now. Um, but now um, with this new thing, this is all migrating over and now we've got this whole fancy and if somebody wanted to change something they had to send me an email and i would go in and change their their email address or their photo or whatever it was now they're going to have a um a profile, profile where they can describe what they're doing change their pictures like be really creative about how they present themselves mm -hmm. there's a place to upload all the certificates of all the training you've done a place to come in and apply for accreditation once you've met all the criteria for a um you know, for a particular pathway that you that you may be trying to to mm. follow, and um, it's giving people the, the and you can search on zip code, city, state, country, uh, um, speciality, doctor's name, all of these different ways that you that you're going to be able to to search the database. Um, and I, and now that that you know when we launch this, I know that there's huge people with huge followings like Tro and Canberry and um, or Georgia and, and all of these people who are going to say, hey guys, you need to come and take a look at this, which nobody was saying about you need to come and look <laughs> at the professional uh, environment that Doug's created on Locob USA, right? Yeah. But now everybody's, this is, the, this is, the, the, they kind of taking ownership of this. This is like mm -hmm. our thing now. Mm -hmm. And now they want to, Tro can't wait to start to to, to start telling people about this, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I believe that, that that list by the end of the year is going to, I, I don't even, maybe tenfold, I would imagine, mm -hmm. yeah. and keep growing at, may at an enormous rate. And That's so um, wow. then it becomes yeah. more and more useful sure. to people anywhere in the world to be able to find 
you know, a, a practitioner, and especially with COVID now, there's a lot of the laws requiring someone to be licensed in a particular state or whatever is, is kind of being relaxed. Hmm. And so doctors are finding in some states anyway, that they're, they're able to do online consults with people that aren't in the same state as them. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so even if you can't find a practitioner or a doctor or a dietitian or whatever you're looking for near enough for you to go and visit, you might, you should be able to find someone online that will at least be able to talk to you mm. and, and advise you. And please do that rather than let your doctor tell you that you're going to kill yourself and you need to yeah. stop doing this. Yeah. Um, mm. it, it, that just like kills me. It really does. Yeah. So um, two last questions. We're, we're coming up on the time that I promised you. And uh, one is um, a lot, most of the content from your conferences that, that Low Carb USA has produced has have been videotaped. And, and so are those available free? Where do people go? So, no, so normally they, they, were, they were behind a paywall for the longest time you know we needed to, to collect money wherever we could mm -hmm. and you know paying those those the, the it guys and that to do those recordings was massively expensive mm -hmm. but um then uh, dorian and dorian greeno and, and uh Gemma Kachis, um who basically founded and run keto mojo came and offered me a solution for that and basically so they license the um they license the videos from me and um and then they put them on the keto mojo site freely available to them and okay. so they just they pay me a license fee to be able to do that um so basically so for the first four months after the event people can still come and sign up and register and watch it and then that, that still qualifies them for their cmes and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. but then after four months um the videos all become, I, I, he gave me a number the other day. It's an astounding number hmm. of, of videos that, that they have already on. Um, hmm. Yeah, so go to ketomojo.com. Keto, I think it's keto-mojo.com. You search for Keto Mojo, I'm sure you'll find it. Um, look for the videos and there's a whole series on low-carb USA conferences or whatever. Perfect. And um, there are, all your talks are there, a massive amount of, of uh, information. Wonderful. What does Doug like to eat? What's 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 your diet food? <laughs> so when we first started doing this, and, and I think it's like most people are so they they think like I'm not eating carbs now, so I'm missing out on something. So I need I need to make sure I get my nutrition in. Hmm. And so we were like fully into all the veg, the green vegetables and stuff, the spinach and kale and um, broccoli and cauliflower though that's not really green but it kind of qualifies in that in that set um, and I was eating more vegetables and stuff than I'd ever eaten in my life mm -hmm. um, and kind of proud of it but mm. in those days the carnivore uh, movement was still in its infancy and we even had a couple of speakers talking about oxalates and some of the different uh, things and different vegetables and Georgia E talking about, you know, what beef is a superfood and plants are trying to kill you or something. Um, and so 
I started to become aware of the fact that maybe we didn't have to have as many plants as we, as we thought. And then you start to learn and then you actually start studying the science and you learn that not only are all the required uh, nutrients available in spades in, in animal products, but they're also totally bioavailable. Whereas most of the ones that are, that are in, in vegetation, as I've started to call it, <laughs> um, are not. And there's actually, apparently someone explained it to me that it was like, so we, they try to stop animals from eating them. So they, they excrete these toxins and stuff like that, that, that make the stuff taste better and all of that kind of stuff. And I don't know, but there's, there's apparently a lot, of, a lot of ways that plants make themselves undesirable, mm -hmm. supposedly. So we just cook the hell out of them and, and add sugar and bunches of, of spices and stuff like that and make them taste palatable and mm -hmm. insist that we have to eat them. Mm. So, yeah, um, a, a ribeye steak is, is always going to do it for me. Um, um, but we've, you know, we eat a lot of stuff. We eat, uh, we had some fish last night, mm -hmm. we eat quite a lot of salmon. Mm -hmm. um, haven't done for a while, but we've got cans of, of sardines that make a really good mm. uh, thing. There's a, um, a, uh, a dried meat product called biltong that hails from South Africa. That is just, uh, I don't know, yeah, I think you've tried some. Mm -hmm. um, that is to die for. And I've, I make my own. So I've always got tons of that in the fridge. And I, you know, a couple of ounces of that since it's dehydrated is actually, you know, three ounces of that is it's like six ounces of, of steak. Mm. Um, it's normally pretty fatty. So I, I sometimes just have a few answers of that as, as dinner, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, avocados, I'm af afraid, should be classified as a, an animal product. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, I really love avocados. Somebody called um, them alligator pears. I'm not sure. Maybe that'll do. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I think I think people need to find what works for them mm -hmm. you know? and we've had i've had many discussions on my podcast and stuff about um I even did a big thing with with um, rob sivas about uh, you know how can you do keto on, on a vegan diet and it's difficult and you need a lot of supplementation but you need a lot of supplementation to do any kind of vegan diet Mm. And, um, mm. but if that's what you want, you know, if, if that's your religious beliefs or, or ethical beliefs or whatever it is, and there's no other way you prepare to eat, then yes, there's still a way to, to ensure better metabolic health by reducing carbs, increasing the fat, you know, the healthy fats and, um, and, and just changing the, the structure of your diet. And I think that's what we try to do, you know, low carb USA, we, we, went through a lot of iterations before we settled on that name. And I think the main reason I wanted to, to choose that name was so that we didn't alienate anybody. Mm. I don't want to ever alienate anybody from the conversation. I don't mm -hmm. care if you're vegan or carnivore or somewhere in the spectrum in between. 
Um, some of us evolve. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think a lot of us start out somewhere and what we believe is right or what we think is right or, or whatever. And then over time, as we learn more and our tastes change, which they do as you change what you eat, mm -hmm. um, you, you evolve. And so, and, and Pam and I have, have evolved like that as well. And so I wouldn't, we're not carnivores. Yeah, but we don't eat much. We don't eat much vegetation. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I surely hope we can disagree without being disagreeable, and I surely know my own limitations at times in front of certain circumstances have um, led me astray. But what I hope we can do is we can we can present evidence to the best of our knowledge, honestly. You know, and and make sure people understand what is a meaningful metric of health. You know, it's right. not total cholesterol. It's not LDL cholesterol. It's not BMI. Well, we've just taken care of three things that most people are talked to when they go to the. Okay, so yeah, how like do everybody. we? Yeah, how do we? How, so and and then what is uh, I, Adele Height gave me this, and I heard somebody say, if you hear something you like the first three times you repeat it, you give them credit. After that, it's yours. I'm well, <laughs> I'm well past three at this time. Her comment, her teaching me was to focus on essential adequate nutrition. That's, that's right. what we're trying to do. And number two would be maintaining or restoring metabolic health. And, and if we should all be able to agree on those two goals, and then how you do that. Now, I understand you have to have significant conversation underneath each one of those because there's a lot of misunderstanding. But in concept, we should all be able to agree on that and then move on down. And it's all up to individuals, their experience, their desires, their preferences, uh, because there's no one size fits all, right? I mean, no, that totally. And Adele's so good at, at, at uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, about um, what's the right word? I can't think of a word I'm thinking of, but she she just describes it so well, and she's she's so passionate about making sure that if that people and that's what that's why she wants to be so involved in this organization is so that so right, right from the start, it it starts out with the with the kind of the proviso that that knows two people are the same and that we, they should not be ever treated the same mm. um, and that uh, everybody needs to find what's right for them and and then just make sure that they get proper guidance in terms of the different things that they try as to what is what what is might work for them or not, but which things are going to really, um, how to know what bad yeah, how, inf yeah. or influence their health badly. Yeah. If, if it's, if it's going to have detrimental effects, then they need to know not to try that. But if something is just because something doesn't work, doesn't mean it's bad for you. It just means mm -hmm. it doesn't work or it's bad. It just, but there are some things that are like really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, some things are bad for some people. And they mm. don't work or they mm. cause, you know, uh, almost, I would almost say it's like, um, uh, what is it? 
Achman, I can't remember the word, basically. Um, allergies. Mm-hmm. You have to look up to the left. Sense. Allergies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it's almost like it, like like an allergy right so some people the funniest thing was i don't know you know georgia ead mm-hmm. um right so so she went carnivore as a as an elimination diet because she had so many issues that she was never even when she went keto a lot of them improved mm-hmm. but some stayed or, or got better but didn't go away mm-hmm. so she went co- completely carnivore and they all went away and mm-hmm. her idea was she was going to add that stuff back until she worked out what and she's not uh, <laughs> what she also worked out was that beef doesn't work for her either. Yeah, right. She's got some kind of, of allergy or, or bad reaction to, to beef. And so mm-hmm. she's eliminated that from her stuff. So now she, she eats poultry. She eats a lot of duck because that's got all that fat mm-hmm. on the breast and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they order, they've got this like, they're on, uh, they, they're on, um, on order basically weekly. She gets mm-hmm. this delivery of, of duck breasts. Uh-huh. And you know, and then, but then fish and and all the other um, uh, yeah. meat, animal products that she can still eat that's sure. not beef. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she, I I don't know, I saw her, saw her a little while back um, in person, and she is just looking fabulous, like it's, excellent. She's just, yeah, it's like a different yeah. person. How healthy she looks. I, I miss the people that I used to routinely get to see. So mm-hmm. uh, it'll be interesting um, when we get together again, whenever that good whenever and happy is. time is. And and just to, to wrap it up, you had said you, you were talking about the goal and I wanted to say thank you so much for all that you're doing to enable and facilitate or support that becoming reality for more and more people and and uh, urge people to look you up on uh, lowcarbusa.org and um, and metabolic multiple no not so metabolic practitioners is it metabolic practitioners.org will be the new smhp site and by the time this um they the developers are having some big problems with the database right now there's a bug in it that they can't mm. find but um I'm, it will be in a few days hopefully by the end of the week even available so by the time this airs um it would it would be there so metabolicpractitioners.org perfect and lowcarbusa.org those are the two places yeah thank you so much thank you for your time oh pleasure man this was awesome excellent um I wish you sorry good I health. Spoke, sorry, sorry I talked so much, but I'm kind of excited at the moment. Good. You have reason <laughs> to be, and yeah. uh, not at all. It's a pleasure, and I look forward to the next time we can sit down and share a couple good ribeyes. Yeah, for sure. All right, friend. Cheers, Take man. care. Okay, bye.